Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Good Friday morning, everybody. This is Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views. Hey, we made it to Friday. Wow. Today's the 9th, right? Friday the 9th. Okay, cool. So uh, we know we've been talking about this all week. We've got good weather here in, in the Midwest, specifically here in Chicago. And uh, I'm always excited about that. Nice to not have to throw on a big, heavy overcoat in February. And uh, we've got a lot of things to chat about today. I'm going to um, throw out a, a couple of questions to you guys regarding um, what I'm going to call today is my Biden day, my Biden-Harris day. Uh, and of course, we'll talk about some of the other things that are surfacing out there. But I definitely want to um, today uh, kind of give President Biden his flowers to some extent, to use a phrase, and largely because one of the things that I look at throughout you know, the course of any given day or given week is how the media is or is not covering the successes of President Biden and Vice President Harris. And I will tell you that that is not happening. It is more interesting. It's sexier. It's uh, better for clicks and eyeballs and whatever for the media to talk about the things that are not happening and the, talk about the things that um, they want to bring into question. And I'll give you guys a great example. Yesterday on MSNBC, both Katie Turr and um, um, Sleepy Gal, Sleepy, 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 uh, Andrea Mitchell. I knew I could get it. Katie Turr and Andrea Mitchell both spent a good portion of their shows from all the things that I read. I don't, I don't watch their shows. I just, I pull my reports. Spending, spent a good portion of their time just dogging the president, trying to find ways to look at everything from a negative angle, negative perspective. And, uh, I, I thought it was, um, I thought it was kind of, it was just, it was weak. And it was, it, it, but it, it's typical of how they've covered President Biden. Um, during his, this first term. And I think that there needs to be a, a certain amount of pushback if they're not going to change their direction and how they cover and, and speak about President Biden, then I think that we need to um, use other mechanisms to, to do that. So I plan on making certain that I spend some time today talking about the successes of the president and talking about uh, the president and vice president and the administration, not overshadowing the things that I think could be done better or a little bit differently. But I want to spend some time today on that. So I'll give you guys some some points, some things to talk about, some questions I have for you as listeners as to uh, those items that the president has um, really succeeded at and the administration has really succeeded at. Also, I'm going to chat a little bit about voting as it relates to certain groups in the country and where they are, or at least as reports have been thrown out, where certain uh, groups are when it comes to voting. Um, and so, you know, today's going to be a fun day, as all of them are, and we're going to talk about some of, the, some of the successes, as I mentioned. We're going to talk about voting, uh, a couple of economic pieces that I wanted to, to, to peek at, and then I'm going to throw a whole bunch of shade at 45. You can count on that, because 
Um, yes, he he won a he won, he won a, a primary, which was really nothing to speak about. But the media wants to make a big deal out of it because, going back to my point about you know Katie Turr and, and Andrea Mitchell and how they cover the president, they want to cover the former president um, in glowing light. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you why that happens. Okay, this is not my opinion as much as it is my observation. And then I develop kind of a, a thesis around it. So um, Les Moonves, who was the CEO or, you know, the, the, we'll call him the CEO. I think that's his correct title of CBS during the 2016 uh, campaign and election. And I don't remember if it were a hot mic or if it were an interview. It may have been an actual interview. But the point is he made a clear statement that Donald Trump was good for business because it got more. He said giving him airtime was good for uh, CBS and their ratings. Now, to me, that's it's, it. it didn't, he didn't speak to he's bad for the country, but he's good for our company. That's what that's what he was saying. That's what Moonves was saying. So the cat was out of the bag then. Cat's been out of the bag and the cat's not going to go back into the bag until our mainstream media, and I'm talking about CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, and CNN. Fox is a entertainment channel. It is not a network. It is, I'm sorry, it's not a news channel. They are an entertainment network. Um, they're the only ne- uh, entertainment channel, network, whatever, broadcast outlet in my lifetime that's been fined three quarters of a billion dollars for lying. Okay, that they're the only one that I know of. So we're not including them in in anything other than being an entertainment channel. So Moonves says, basically, giving Donald Trump this much airtime was good for our business because it increased our bottom line. I think he said they saw some. I thought the number that I recall was somewhere in an eighteen to twenty percent increase in their revenue relevant to the time that he was given free time on the air. So counterintuitive, but that's what they did. So let's fast forward to where we are today and, and the progression as to in terms of how we've gotten here. So if that's true, then we know that they're going to do it again. They did it in 2020 because yes, he was president. He was, he was, he, you know, he was the incumbent president. So I get why they covered him the way that they did during the 2020, but now he stayed in the media because of his criminality, not because of anything good that he's saying that's that's beneficial to the country. Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to do in terms of um, re- really throwing some heat and shade in him today. So, Andrea Mitchell, Katie Turr, still kind of kissing the ring with Trump, as many of the other folks in the mainstream media are doing. Um, and this is the this is why it's happening. As I said, I would I would share with you my observation that the reason it's happening is because of what Moonves said. And having a horse race between Biden and Trump gives the media the numbers that they need to not only remain profitable, but to have significant gains. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. Or at least it's a fact based on what someone in in their business said was happening and why they were doing it. So that hasn't changed. That wash, rinse, repeat way of thinking has not changed. Donald Trump is not getting covered in the same way that President Biden is. President Biden is being, on a daily basis, by all of the outlets, he's catching the hell that a successful president, as he has been, and I'm gonna, I brought the receipts, 
should not be catching. They're doing it because the C-suite people, mostly men, mostly men that are not of color, candidly, are deciding how they want to cover Joe Biden. It's how they want to cover him to make sure that in the minds of people watching the shows that are on their their networks, that people have a little bit of question and a little bit. It's just like it's just spoon feeding every day a little bit of negativity about President Biden every day. Spoon and, and MSNBC is equally at fault at this in terms of some of the people that they have on some of their shows. I mean, the same thing was happening with Chuck Todd. Uh, they replaced him with Kristen Walker. She's just as bad, candidly. Um, Andrea and, and Katie are just as bad. Um, but the only person during the middle of the day that I can take a peek at when I'm having my lunch is uh, 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 Jan Singh. I can't think of her first name. That's about the only one I can really tolerate because at least um, she stays in the middle of the road, doesn't lean too far either way with covering either of the candidates and what's going on. She reports it just as it is. And if anything, she is more inclined to have people on her show which I think is significant, but having having people on our show who are going to speak to the, the the positivity, the good things that the president's doing, and really highlight the things that 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 forty five has not done or is is has, is com, um, has been charged with. Okay, so um, I have this question that that lurks in my mind when I think about you know forty five and what he's doing, where he is, and all the craziness. So what did he won this uh, this this primary? Um, who cares that 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 was expected because there's really nobody that's running against him. Nikki Haley is a factor, but then you know she loses against all the above, none of the above in in this caucus from the other night. So this week, you know, Trump was denied the immunity by the federal court, which should have happened. Um, and now we're dealing with, uh, the, you know, being on the ballot and, and that part of the conversation. But here's a question that I want to ask you guys. And I'll hit this question, then we'll jump to a, to a quick break. Check this out. Here's a question. Do you think that Donald Trump would continue all these motions and stays and delays if he had to pay back the courts and the American people every time he loses an appeal? So I'll repeat that question. Do you think that Donald Trump would continue with these motions, these stays and delays and appeals and all that stuff if he had to pay back the court court system slash the American people if he loses those appeals? So that's my question. We're going to we're going to run around that question with some other questions or wrap around. I should say that that question with some others. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. I'm Richard Chu. Good morning. This is Chu's Views. It's Chu's Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys. 773-763-9278. Wake up Friday morning, folks. It's... um. Choose views, and my man Henry and I are in here joking around about technology. I told him I hate that I don't like breaking things, and so I um, got a couple of uh, clips this this morning that I'm going to share with you guys. And I told Henry, I said, I think I, fi- I finally figured it out. I kind of got out of my own way of fear of breaking something when it comes to technology. But um, I'm um, 
I want to circle back to the question. With Donald Trump, in your opinion, do you think if he would continue these motions and stays and, and, um, and delays if he had to pay back in cash um, when he loses these appeals to the American people in the court system? Now, I mean, I know that it's a question I'm posing. I know that there are, are, are systems built a certain way to allow a person to appeal um, certain uh, judgments and to file for motions to to uh, create stays and delays. I get that. I understand that. So I don't think I haven't paid attention. I did pay attention in civics and U.S. government and, um, you know, all of my necessary classes in high school and college and grad school. So that being said, call in on that. I want to see what you, what you guys think. Um, uh, and what your opinions are on that on that subject. So, a couple of things. Um, I want to give some shout outs to some folks that have been so kind enough to follow and to sort of start checking out the show, which in the greater scheme of things means they're checking out what's happening here on WCPT. So, Marie Henderson, Mary Rodriguez, Ellie Bird, uh, the great Kimberly Johnson. Uh, Optimus Prime um, is, an, is someone that uh, has given us an ear. Indy Armor, um, uh, Paul Carroll, uh, Magic Man, um, the Mad Titan. So there's a number of people that I, I'm so grateful that you're checking us out. Uh, Nia, so I appreciate that, and, and I will do my best to give everybody a shout-out that, that hits me um, in one way or another on Twitter and on uh, Instagram because I'm thankful that you guys take some time to listen and to follow what we do here at CPT and specifically here at Choose Views. So there you go. I wanted to make sure that happens. So um, I, you know, a Super Bowl is on Sunday. People are excited. It's a big game. It's always the case. Um, I saw a great interview um, yesterday on um, Bloomberg, and it was talking with Steve Young, the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And one of the things that you guys need to, to take and, and peek into, um, you know, I think that um, I'm not certain and I don't necessarily care uh, where Steve Young sits when, on the political spectrum. He's probably more of an independent. Um, and based on everything that I know about him and things that he's followed, he kind of leans in that direction. Um, while he was uh, playing for the 49ers, I think it's when he, and he, we all know he went to Brigham Young, went back and got his law degree, and he's really, uh, outside of football, he's done some phenomenal things um, in the business world, uh, particularly in the financial space, and that's one of the reasons that I follow him and, fo- and some of the things that he does. He's got a, a, um, a, a hedge fund group out in California that he's a big part of. So, you know, Steve has really done some post-football uh, cool stuff. But one of the things that I want to lean into about uh, what he's doing as it pertains to social issues and collectively social issues, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, create that as a as a, a header and then build underneath it. So Steve Young um, is involved with Dove, the uh, the soap and, and uh, um, facial products and other company. And what's really kind of neat about what he's doing, and you guys should check this out, he's lended his hand to the folks at Dove because his two daughters, who are teenagers, are starting started playing flag football. And I caught a really cool interview on Bloomberg with him about why he got involved. And he said, and I'm going to give you the, the edited version, basically, he had found out that there were a number of young women in California who wanted to be more involved in playing football 
and flag football was the direction that, that um, many groups were going. So he talked to his daughters about, you know, why they didn't, what were, I'm sorry, what were their interests? And um, pretty athletic young women. And he said that what the, that the net of this was that they felt a little uncomfortable um, and that they, that some of the girls that his daughters had been talking to and involved with had said that a lot of girls are, in terms of sports that they do or do not play, it comes down to body image. And that they felt like they didn't, that their, that their bodies, the, the care literally of their skin wasn't something that they, um, that they could embrace or find the right things, the right products for their skin. And so Steve took that to the next level. He started talking to some of the people in his world and particularly in the, in the hedge fund and in the financial world. And one thing led to the next and started to find out that there, that was a, that was a real issue. It wasn't just, and it's always been an issue. And he, he kind of harkened back to when he was younger and he thought about it and he said, yeah, I remember thinking, you know, that the women that I knew that played sports when I was at um, BYU, um, never really talked about it, but I know that that was something that was a concern, but I was busy doing my own thing. Understandable. So what he's done, and this is where I give him his flowers, he's leaned into this with Dove to make, um, to, to help them uh, in the development and the conversation around women, young women playing um, flag football in high school. And really, really leaned in it from a financial standpoint to make sure from a social um uh, in terms of a social issue, that these young women have the confidence and the backing of a major corporation when it comes to a concern of theirs, which is skincare, and Dove being one of the companies that wants to be at the forefront in that conversation. And I, I just thought, I saw this and I thought, that's once again Steve Young being the leader that he is. I could really care less necessarily about where he sits politically. But if you listen to him talk uh, in this interview, Henry, you could, you would say the dude's got to be an independent because he's talking about issues that are relevant to empower. He must have used the word empowering women a dozen times. You know, empowering women, empowering women, empowering women. And he, he really was locked into that. You know, it was like he was reading the defense. He knew exactly where he stood and stands. It's about making sure that young women, young girls become young, strong young women to become leaders. And it was just one of those things that I'm glad I caught the interview because, um, you know, I've, I've been following him for about a year now on social media and some of the stuff that he's, that he's doing. And I get feeds from his company and I, and I'm just drew a blank, uh, that he's, uh, the head of out in California. But it was just a neat thing to see. And they were interviewing him regarding, you know, obviously the football, the quarterback situation for both teams and what his, what his predictions are. And of course, you know, he's 49 er true, uh, true and blue. I didn't realize this, that the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl was in 1994, 95. Was it 95? But he was a quarterback. Oh, wow. Is that crazy? That's, That's like 30 years ago. Yeah. And and they've been to the Super Bowl a bunch of times, and obviously the Forty ers have have been are, are legendary. But he said, "Yeah, that, uh, I I didn't realize that." But you know, to that end, uh, that was part of the interview. But a big the, a bigger part was just him uh, leaning into this conversation. And he he predicts he thinks that flag football um, in the next five years will be as big as um, soccer for women. And, oh, this is the other thing that I didn't know, which is really cool to, to, to find out. Um, women's flag football will be part of the 2028 Olympics. 
How cool is that? That is really sweet that women's football, women's flag football specifically, is going to be part of the 2028 Olympics. So think about that for a minute. That's, that puts it on a global stage. So the lead up to that after the 2024 Olympic, Olympics this year, which happens to be in Paris, um, I'm going to have so much fun with that this summer because that's, that's you know probably in my top three non-U.S. cities of favorite cities in the world. But in any event, my wife and I spent part of our, our honeymoon there. So it remains true to me. But yeah, Olympics are there this summer. But 2028, women's flag football. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, I, I like to find these um, issues that may not be viewed as big issues, but they are wedging into the conversation about social justice, particularly when it comes to issues for women, young women, uh, particularly as they are part of our leaders of the future, as you are as, as a young dude. Um, but I think it's really important that we that we um, that we spotlight those kinds of things. So I know we've got our middle of the uh, hour break. Um, and as I said before, I've got a couple of clips that I want to play for you guys. When we come back, I'm going to uh, drop a little bit of knowledge on you. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Henry and I had to get that last little sip of, uh, of water before we jumped back in. So here we are, guys, uh, 773-763-9278, Chew's Views. Happy to be here this morning. So um, we, uh, talking about Steve Young before the break and uh, kind of keep this a little bit on the sports tip for a moment. Uh, the companies that, that uh, he's involved with and he, he, um, uh, uh, co-founder of HGGC, and he's also the founder of Forever Young, which um, is deeply involved in children's charities and making sure that he's empower, raising money to empower um, youth. So he's doing good work, y'all. So check him out. And I, I think that um, there's some really good things that he's got going on. So I've got this clip that I want to play that um, speaks to kind of a little bit of a celebration that took place uh, the last couple of days. And once after the clip, I'll come back and talk to you by why I wanted to, to play this for you guys this morning. Um, as you guys know, uh, yesterday, the Lakers unveiled the um, the statue for Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant. And, um, you know, I'm all about as much as we talk about social issues and political issues and financial issues. I'm also about giving folks their recognition, and their due when great things happen. So I want to um, Henry's going to play this. And then when we come back, we'll, I'll chat a little bit about it. I'm a big lover of music. I, I was wondering, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if he's got like Taylor Swift in his car? I do. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's important to listen to people who do great things, you know, so it's not just uh, genre specific, but it's like, you know, Taylor's been at the top of the game for a very, very long time. Yeah. How and why? You know, how does she write? How does she get into that mental space to be able to create things over and over and over? I mean, it's it's a lot of pressure for her to follow up a number one album with a better album than yeah. follow it with a better, like, I don't care if you like her music or if you don't like her music, look at what she's, a, what she's doing. I mean, that's frightening yeah. stuff. And it's unbelievable to be able to pull that off over and over and over and over. And so I'll look at things like that to try to learn from them as much as I can. She's a shark too. Like you, you hear about her standing up to Spotify or all these, I mean, she Metallica did that in the early, when you and I were probably in like, I don't know, college, high school, Yeah. but like, 
uh, that's tough. Or you didn't think she would be like, no, I'm not going to do. I'm going to do it my way. And yeah, but see, like from from afar, like I know she has to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's a sweet um, kid. I mean, she was a sweetheart to my girls before she even blew up and became Taylor Swift. So that's why, like, I always if she needs anything from me. I'm always there. But you can't have that level of consistent success and not be a killer. It's impossible. That's great. That's it's funny. impossible. It's funny to think of Taylor Swift as a killer, but it's absolutely a killer, but she is. totally is. 100%. So, uh, Kobe Bryant was being interviewed. Um, this was, uh, before he, he died on the, in the plane crash. This was, that was two years ago, right? Or was it three years now? Um, yeah. So, uh, the Lakers un- unveiled the statue yesterday, which is great. And as much as this is not necessarily a political topic, which it doesn't have to be, it's about what Kobe said. It's about what people are doing outside of the space that they're, that, as he said, it doesn't matter what the musical genre is. It's about the success and the hard work and the things that people put in to make things happen. I'm a big believer in that in general. I think that as we look at the successes that President Biden has had, he's repeating those successes. And I'm going to lean into those. I'm, 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 I'm keeping you guys a little bit at bay on where, where I'm going with this. But a couple of things that I pulled out of what Kobe was talking about. And one of them is, um, when he talked about, when he said it doesn't matter the genre, it's about the success. Look at what she's done. So this is not about necessarily about Taylor Swift. It is my way of kind of giving some shout out to, to, uh, to, to late Kobe Bryant. And outside of basketball, the things that he did and while he was playing and certainly when he retired were extraordinary. And, you know, sometimes when we talk about professional athletes, we don't look at the things that they do outside of the game to help other people. And we sometimes just see the photo ops that they get when they're, you know, signing autographs and and other things. So Steve Young, the work that he's doing, empowering young women, pushing the envelope in that space, that's huge. It has to be recognized. He's using his leverage and his power and his notoriety to do something for other folks in society. Kobe Bryant was definitely heading down that direction. He was leaning into a lot of of um, social issues and making sure that he also got behind empowering. He's got daughters, had daughters, um, but he was in, he was definitely behind that effort, and he was public about it. And when he gives this compliment to Taylor Swift, I think what you have to look at as it relates to where we are now is as guys, we have to get behind our we have to get behind women, young women older women, middle age, whatever, however, we have to get behind women and support their effort because I'm a little preachy here because I'm kind of a mama's boy, proudly. We have to lean into the issues socially right now when it comes to what's happening as it relates to the, the political right, trying to dial the clock back. And it, and I, and I will tell you guys, and you can challenge me on this all you want, but I stand firm in this one. I stand in, in the doorway on this one. If we don't stand up as men, if we don't stand up and, and, and create a firewall for these issues that impact women, I'm telling you, that's going to be one of the things that will bring us down because we have to give credit for all the sacrifices that all the women in our lives have given and have made for us, whether it be our mothers, our aunts, our sisters, our cousins, um, you know, Mrs. Johnson down the street, Mrs. Weinberg, Mrs. O'Neill, Mrs. Garcia down the street that made certain that 
you got home safely, that made certain that you got to school safely, that made certain that if your mom or dad couldn't get you to A, B, or C, that they scooped you up and got you to soccer practice, that they scooped you up, they got you to your dance recital, or they got you to basketball or track practice or, you know, to your part-time job. Most often, it's those women in the neighborhood, no matter which neighborhood you grew up in, suburban, city, uh, rural, that were there. So, us guys, we got to raise our game. And I'll talk about this a lot while I'm on, on Choose Views and on CPT because it's what I believe in. And the women in my life, all of them, I think, will, will back me up that that's where I come from. And that's what I believe in. So I wanted to touch on these two things today because I was looking at you know, some of the successes um, that these people have had and talking about Steve Young and talking about Kobe. Uh, and I wanted just to kind of, you know, uh, put a little bit of a, of a, a spotlight on that because they're leaning into the things that are important, uh, that, that are important to young women and they're doing it with their resources. So, uh, circling back to the, to the Kobe, uh, um, spot that we played, um, the other thing that he mentioned in there is that, you know, she was, she was there for his daughters when they were younger before she kind of blew up and, and became the star that she is. And this was, you know, over four years ago, so this was prior to him passing away, obviously, and this prior to the this the extraordinary success that Taylor Swift has had. And, you know, like I said before, and, and I said this the other day when we we're talking about what Robert Kraft said about uh, Taylor Swift's business acumen, you don't have to be a fan of her music, yay, nay, whatever, but re- look at what she's doing and the empowerment that comes from her successes. And that's what Kobe was speaking to as well. He was speaking to the fact that Here's this young woman that's doing these things and it's impacting all these people. So just wanted to kind of lean into that. Um, that's going to be part of my conversation with you guys because it's something that I, that's important to me and I, and I will always um, represent that. So shifting a little bit in a, in a slightly different direction, I want to talk about some of the, you know, can, this is kind of a crazy shift, but it is what it is. Um, Last uh, this, the, during this past week, we've seen a lot of the conversation around what's happening with Forty Five, and I think one of the things that you guys can can agree with me on here is that the the defiance that's taken place by some of the state officials, some of the federally elected officials, is in the shadow of what Donald Trump has been doing when it comes to defying the um, the rulings. And the request by the court system. So I'll give you a couple of things that to, just just to try on and think about. So check this out. Right now, regarding um, the ballot and Trump, you know, if SCOTUS says that he has to be on the ballot in Colorado and New Hampshire, it is what it is. That's you know, the SCOTUS ruling is the SCOTUS ruling. But here's what I want to just kind of push out to um, to the leaders in those two states. You know, you also, and I'm not about being reckless, but I am about talking about the, the pushback. Right now, in the state of Texas, the Supreme Court has made some uh, rulings that Texas is completely defying. So why is that something that um, we take lightly? We have a government, a state government, that's saying, we're not going to do what you said we need to do. That's, you know, a layperson's way of, of speaking to that to that. Um, to that ruling by the federal by the federal court. So, how am I matching this up again in the center with dotted lines? I think that the folks that are in um, 
the leaders that are in Colorado and the leaders in, in New Hampshire, guess what? Picture this, guys. Maybe they should do the same thing. Maybe they should say, you know what? We're going to defy what the uh, federal courts have laid down as it relates to being uh, having 45 on the ballot. We made a state decision. We're going to keep our state decision. What is the federal court going to do? Come in and say, uh, we're going to take your toys away? Because it's no different than what um, Abbott's doing in Florida. And I think that the folks that are the leaders in the state of states of Colorado and New Hampshire, think about it. If you're listening, think about it. You got some friends in Colorado, ring them up. You got some friends in New Hampshire, ring them up. Tell them Richard Chu said, think about defying those federal uh, and Supreme Court rulings. Because, I mean, let's face it, Abbott's doing it in Texas, and he's receiving no repercussions whatsoever. Not at all. And, and, and the, the rulings in Texas are far more uh, life-altering, if you will, than keeping this dude off the ballot in, uh, Cal- in uh, Colorado and in New Hampshire. So, something to think about. I just wanted to put that out there. You guys know I, I kind of take a, a, a peek around the corner and see what white folks think about this opinion. Now, to that end, in terms of talking about Trump being on the ballot, Trump running uh, uh, this year... I'm going to make a a relatively bold statement about the candidacy of the Republicans. And when we come back from the break, I'll tell you what that is, and we'll chat a little bit about it. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, hey, we are back. Um, So before the break, I was talking a little bit about uh, defying SCOTUS. And uh, we know there's been some rulings this week, and there's certainly been um, uh, cases that are in front of the courts. So what I was saying is that should Colorado and New Hampshire take the same position that um, Texas has in terms of defying uh, rulings from the federal court and, and from SCOTUS, and it's certainly something to consider. But then the counter to that is what a lot of people have been sending to me and in chatting me up about is so will if Trump is off the ballot and I, and I looked at some of the numbers that some of the uh, projections are as it relates to the um, the election and the the numbers per state and what I mean by that is um, I was looking at how if Donald Trump were off certain states ballots that would impact the election. And ultimately, this election comes down to the seven, the the, the seven uh, states that are the, you know, the breakaway states or the states that are considered um, in flux, um, not completely blue, not completely red, kind of kind of purplish. So, if Trump's not on the ballot in, in a couple of states that are already blue, is it going to make that much difference? The answer is probably not, because those states are going to lean blue in the first place. In this case, but Colorado. Uh, with its, I think, uh, five, is it six electoral uh, uh, votes in New Hampshire with, I believe, three. Um, and, and don't hold me on that, but that's easily researchable. Point is, with the states taking him off the ballot in those particular states, it's not going to have a direct impact in those states because they're probably going to lean blue anyhow. I think the real conversation has to do with how other states um, that you know, are going to be purple states will, will, will go if he were not on the ballot. So I'm more, and I know this is going to probably um, burn the biscuit of a few folks. I actually would rather see him on the, all the ballots. Now, should he be on the ballots based on 
the, the what's in the 14th Amendment. If you read it to the letter, he shouldn't be on the ballot. He shouldn't even be allowed to run based on um, leaning into an insurrection or causing an insurrection. And it's pretty specific what the language is. But he's going to be the nominee. Barring any um, medical issue, Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. Nikki Haley um, is not going to be the nominee for one simple reason, maybe a couple. And the one that I'm leaning into, and nobody really wants to, not, I shouldn't say nobody, people aren't going to really talk about it because it's, it's painful for some people to talk about this. Nikki Haley, although she looks white by skin, skin tone and mannerisms and the way she's trying to play the game. And that's not to offend anybody that's, that's Caucasian. It's just looking, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a truth teller when it comes to this stuff. Nikki, Tra- Nikki Haley is trying to project herself as being white. Okay. So her, her culture, her ethnicity is not being represented. And I think that's the most fraudulent thing she's doing. She's not presenting herself as a woman uh, with her cultural background to the, to the, to the country. She's playing around with that. She's kind of nipping at the edges and she's furthering that by not talking about the fact that these, uh, you know, this most recent issues about slavery or enslavement and racist, racist and racism in, in our country don't exist. So, She's not going to be the, the nominee because she doesn't really bring enough of the voters who are on the fence about voting for this woman to the table. Donald Trump has this following that we all know is MAGA. They're not going to leave him if he gets convicted. They're going to say that the convictions are wrong and that the conviction, conviction excuse me, should not um, have happened in the first place. We know their standard line of reasoning. Um, so I, I want him to be on the ballot because I want him to lose handily. And what we have to do to make sure that that happens is make absolutely sure that we turn out to vote. And if we turn out to vote, even in those swing states where there's conversation now that is that President Biden's um, approval is down in Wisconsin, but the numbers actually are representing segmented groups that have been surveyed and, and phone called. So... That, that's just kind of how I'm seeing this, and and I want to keep leaning into that over time because as we get closer and closer to the to the conventions, we'll start to really see what the numbers look like. Um, so a couple things that I want to hit. I know we're going to come up on our break, and I and I want to make sure we nail that. Um, it, it's uh, in the conversation as we're talking about elections, and we're talking about what I said um, is important for everybody to to, to participate in our elections in other states or election not so much in other states, but in other districts where there's a purplish uh, race going on. So right now, if you guys don't know this, the, in New York, District 3, which is the, the seat that George Santos held, um, that race is, you know, we, we're, we're at a point, we're at a critical point with that race. And I think that, um, you know, don't be fooled by that race. Don't be fooled. Um, what I mean by that is don't be don't be fooled into thinking that just because that seat was taken away from him, that it's an automatic automatic win in areas where we've got candidates that that uh, are marginal Republican candidates that are marginal. What I'd rather see happen for all of us, and this is a good example in District Three, a uh, District Three in New York, is um, those areas like District Three are highly red Republican, slightly cultural, culturally and racially biased. So even though that's an area that we can win, uh, can win, what has to happen is those, 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 those districts, we've got to make sure that we're pushing 
the DNC that we're pushing the leaders in those areas to make sure that those seats don't just slip away just because of the makeup of those seats. They're winnable. We've had success there in the past. And that's true throughout the rest of the country in the purple districts. And as you guys know, I've said it before, I want you to pay attention not only to that the, um, uh, that type of a race, but others that are going on. So um, let's see how we're doing. Okay, we're good on time. Um, the other thing that I wanted to just kind of poke the bear or, or poke some fun, um, I like that the Republicans are being challenged right now when it comes to this border security, Ukraine, and the budget for um, uh, for the Middle East. I like that they're being challenged in terms of where they really stand. It's it's really pushing the envelope as to what they really believe in, and they're having to do it real time in front of um, all of us. So many times you hear Republicans um, in the House particularly speak to what the Democrats are, are making them do, or because the Democrats are doing this. And a good example is this recent vote where Representative Green comes to the comes to the floor and votes in a wheelchair and in, in hospital uh, garb. And, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Mike Johnson start to talk about how awful that was that they tricked them. Well, what it's actually showing, as I said yesterday, is a disarray in the Republicans of the Republicans in both the House and the Senate. And I'll, 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 I'll quote you something that specifically happened yesterday or ha- is happening this at, um, uh, real time. In Montana, there is a Senate race. John Tester is up for reelection. And it's a tight, it's going to be a tight race. John, John Tester is a good candidate. He's a moderate Democrat, but he tends to even lean a little bit more away from the center on, on key issues. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a Senate seat we have to hold. There's no question about it. But this is what's, a, what's, a, a, what's funny and why Republicans get too much credit for being in line and in order. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, and Mike Johnson, the House, uh, the House Leader, um, both are endorsing or leaning into two different Republican candidates to run against John Tester in Montana. And I think that that is, you know, that's this kind of stuff that slips under the radar when we talk about how disorganized and not as in order the Republicans tend to be on, in the House and in the Senate. Because, you know, I would, now, it's not that they can't have their difference of opinion and who they want to support. But before they go public, I think it sh- they should make sure that they're lined up to if they're trying to keep the myth that the Republicans are always in lockstep and lined up when it comes to their who they're voting for. So I'm hoping that that people understand that I want you guys and I and I'm I'm saying a lot because I want everybody to be plugged in. You can't sit on the sidelines right now, as I as it says in, in our promos, as I say, we got to have all hands on deck. All of our players have got to be on the field, whether they're using a football analogy, whether they're playing in the game or on the, they're on the sidelines. You've got to be there ready to go. That's where we are. And talking about these issues, when I hear folks say, gosh, how come, how come uh, MAGA is, such an, is su- in, in such a cult? Or why is it that, that, that what we would look at as moderate Republicans are, are not willing to speak out about things? Well, what our job is, is to talk about that and then to, explain that their disorganization, their disconnection, their inability to get uh, votes that they need to impeach someone or 
to get votes that are needed to get bills passed, we have to consistently talk about that. We can't just let it be left to the mainstream media. Because then what happens is it gets in the hands of a Katie Turr or an Andrea Mitchell, and suddenly it's President Biden's fault that the Republicans can't get their votes together to impeach a member of his cabinet. That's how it goes. So our job is to say, oh, no, 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 no. Here's the disorganization. Here's the in, 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 um, uh, their, their inability to get things done. And that's our message. That's our work. That's the hard part. It, it, it is. Because, you know, we're like anybody else. We're, we're living our lives and doing what we have to do every day. So I think that that, as we get more and more into this election, that's going to continue to be the messaging. Um, we're coming up on a quick little break. And the number, of course, for is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey guys, we're back. Um, so before the break, I was talking about the, <clears throat> excuse me guys, I was talking a little bit about earlier in the hour, uh, women's empowerment and uh, how Steve Young have, has leaned into that and is a big part of um, things that are going on with the with uh, Dove. And uh, we played a clip uh, from Kobe Bryant talking about the success of um, Taylor Swift as it relates to empowering women. I think that's important. And I, I went on my little rant about we as guys, what we have to do every day and who we have to be uh, cognizant of in, in terms of who we give our support to. Um, but um, I wanted to grab a couple of calls that we have um, from my man, Big Art. Happy Friday morning, Big Art. What's going on? Hey, good morning to you. Absolutely. I figured I started with you. I'll finish with you on this week. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday, I was nurturing uh, a birthday wine hangover, so <laughs> I was sleeping. What type? Uh, of, okay, but, so I have to ask you. What type of wine was it that you that put you into that stupor? Uh, it, was, it was a decent little. Uh, I had a little Shiraz and a Cabernet. You know, nothing, not the real cheap stuff. But uh, it was, <laughs> I hadn't had any wine in a while, and I didn't want to bother, bother with any hard stuff. So I just you want to, and I had a couple you, cans of beer in the fridge. So I, you wanted to I wake up. You, you wanted to wake up right at sixty five. You wanted to make sure that you uh, were able to put your feet on the floor the next morning and not stumble to the, to the bathroom. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't want to sleep the whole day away. I just want to be you no know, relax, and and I did. And that was all good. Art, you are sixty five. Uh, you, you were sixty five, and you've been you you've earned the right to be able earned it. to oh, do that. You, I can't tell you how I've earned it, man. Oh man, and I'm blessed, and I have earned it. So, so what you got for anyway, us this morning? Well, you t- were talking about women, and um, yeah, we do need to back them up uh, more than we do. We need to support them. You know, only I always consider a weak man or a, a scared man doesn't appreciate what the women in his life, or unappreciative man, what the women in his life have done for him. Yep. And one of the main things is uh, women are, are natural-born nurturers. And one of the things they really do for us is they feed us. <laughs> and they keep may it. go out and, and and get the bacon, but who who normally cooks it? You know, the women. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of great chefs out there that are male. Don't get me wrong; a lot of guys can cook cook their behind. I'm a pretty decent cook, but women just naturally going to make sure their babies are fed. 
Yep. Husbands and boyfriends get fed. Yep. And without that, you know, we 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 in trouble. We got to eat. Got to sustain. And they, try to, and, and they do that for us. And they you know because this has become way too much of a patriot. I mean, it always has been, but it's become way too much of a patriarchal a patriarchal society. Art, can I say this? Uh, just, and 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 I'm, I'm I'm riding with you. I'm on the other rail, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. But mm-hmm. I, you know, listen, using the proper language, I hate weak ass guys. And then, and the number one criteria for me in that space is a guy who doesn't appreciate the women in his life, even the women that he doesn't know, the women that he will meet and get to know. I just can't stand yeah. them. I can't be around them. And I'm I'm unapologetic about that. I, I'm blessed to have. I think most of my life been that way because of how I was raised by strong women and men. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with, with men who respected women. That it doesn't mean they were perfect in their interactions with women, but the dude, oh, we've all come up short here and there. You know, get with the, with the guys and you say some get stupid stuff. UK, let, yeah. let a little bit of the caveman, right. Neanderthal lizard out of us, you know. But it's like when it all said and done, uh, you know, where would you be without the, the women in your lives? You have you had a good wife or or a big sister or aunties? Yep. That's right. Like I was saying, our Miss Miss Johnson, Miss Garcia, Miss Weinberg down the street that made sure that you got your butt home from school or you got to the game or you got mm-hmm. to 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 the those are the other women that we have to remember. And you know, I I'm just that way. And so when I saw this thing with Steve Young um, had uh, this interview, and and I was thinking about it as it relates to current issues politically. And I thought, and then when I saw the Kobe clip talking about uh, Taylor, I was like, you know, that's that's what we guys have to do and be unapologetic about it. Because I will tell you that at the core of the issue that is most politically um, important to women right now, based on what we're all talking about, is women's health care, um, a woman's right to d- d- determine her own body's direction. A woman's right to get counseling for medical care, a woman's right to abortion. These are items that if we as guys don't lean into hard and we can lean into watching the damn game, we can lean into, you know, going to the bars and doing all this other crazy stuff. We can lean into our business, you know, uh, interests. But, you know, what's up, fellas? We can't lean into making sure ladies are, are, are protected and taken care of. And I don't believe I don't buy for a minute this whole thing around how religion from the right, Christian conservatism has tried to r- pull away the the dignity that women should have when it comes to care. They've tried to make it sound like God doesn't, or Jesus and God sat down one day and said, hey, look, we don't want women to have control over their bodies. We don't want women to be empowered. No, that's, that's, that's men doing that. That's, that's men that's doing men. that. Sorry. Trying to control women. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love an intelligent, strong woman. At the same time, you, you're not going to be uh, constantly trying to emasculate me. That's not going to happen either. I think when you're gotta, in, a, when you're gotta, in, when you got to come to that agreement, there, uh, ladies. Well, let me you help, know, let me I, let me help you with that, Arden. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you from stepping too far into it. Let me help you with that. Yeah, a, a I don't want to step into yeah, it. Let, because, let me, you know, let me pull you. All ran into those women like let, that. Let me pull, a little bit too. Let me pull poor, you back. You let know? me pull you back from the from the from the abyss. <laughs> because this is how this is how I view it. Honestly, this is how I view it. When I've watched that okay. interaction 
on it with in any in, in in any environment what i've come to understand and then i've asked the question why why is that happening it's typically happening because you know that we always have to look at balance and and the push pull right. and what's missing there's got to be a balance and so when i see that there is a person not just a woman see i'm always careful and cautious with this when i see that there's a person that's overtly in somebody else's face male or female, and just guys, Mm -hmm. think about this for a second. I tend to see that there's something that's missing or something that happened. Eric says this oftentimes in the family meeting. What happened in that person's life that put them in a situation where they'd have to treat another person that way? And I don't care if it's the, the, the language of, quote, demasculating a guy or dehumanizing a woman, male or female, Typically, it's because something happened to that person along the way and maybe repeatedly where they suddenly that is their um, manner of expression. So I'm not. Something didn't happen. How about that? Something something didn't happen where they weren't. Thank you. Something didn't happen. You know, given those positive reinforcements that that completed them uh, as far as how they treat other people, male or female. Bingo. That's exactly. So I try to stay in that part of assessing this relationship between us all is what did or didn't happen to your point, what didn't happen, uh, along with what did happen. And then from there I can build and say, okay, this is very possibly why that person is where they are. And now I have to navigate, I have to adjust me a little bit to understand that. And then I can navigate with this person. It's made me a better dude. I think it's made me a better person and communicator um, because it forces me to go, okay, what may have happened? What's missing? And Eric, mm-hmm. Eric Grant, uh, um, my, 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 my road dog on the family meeting talks about that a lot. So big art. It's Friday. He does. He does. Enjoy your weekend. I am so thankful that you call in and we get to chop it up. That means a lot to me, and that means a lot to our listeners. So have a fantastic weekend, Big Art, and we'll talk soon. Okay, one one last thing real quick. Taylor What's, Swift. Yeah. You know, I never thought she, anyone would be as big or bigger than Beyonce, but I am so proud of her, the way she's carried herself. Yep. And I'm just really curious as to how, how she's going to maintain her somewhat neutrality as far as this presidential election. Because the, the Republicans are terrified that she's going to just out, out and out endorse Biden. <laughs> and I think she's trying to keep away from that. I know she is. Hey, man, check it's this enough, out. Too my, much, it's too much attention with her and Travis Kelsey already. My girl, Steph, my girl Stephanie Miller terrified. said, my girl Stephanie Miller said, and I'm giving her an early shout out. She said, wouldn't it be crazy if, if Taylor showed up at the Super Bowl with the Trump, with the, um, with the shirt on, a t-shirt on that says she, she that says vote for Biden. I mean, so, yeah. you know, but yeah, no, I, man, I, I, I hear you. I, I, I was hear listening you. to that show that morning. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to that. I'm like, oh my, I think she's going to lay low though yeah but well, you know reporters are gonna ask her about it they gotta they got they just can't they got nothing else to do themselves they got nothing else to do uh, you know so look the way they drilled drilled uh joe last night uncle joe last night about you yeah. know the, the man is 80 years old come on i hope i'm as cognizant as when i'm 80 if i make it to 80 i hear come you on, please all right man you we gotta bounce space the way y'all do yeah go ahead to the next guy next to the next person we're gonna bounce but thanks have a great weekend and maybe i'll maybe i'll call in on, on family meeting Sunday, we'll see. All right, man. Be well. Big art's cool. But yeah, good point. In terms of, you know, what didn't happen versus what does happen in term in, in any of us. And I, I'm a big 
you know, I, I'm a big believer that you have to get there with people when you're communicating. And, and whether it be in a political scenario, social situation, scenario, economic and all the rest, um, doing that work allows you to do better in communicating effectively with folks. And again, I go back to where I started on this, leaning into um, my man, Steve Young, and to the Kobe clip. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. I know we've got a couple calls we're going to grab. 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Yeah, you're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on AM 820, 6 to 8 a.m. Monday, Fridays. We are here. It's Friday, guys. Listen, um, I promise we talk about some stuff regarding uh, President Biden um, during the show today, and we're going to hit that. But I want to grab a quick call from my man, Dave, in Hoffman Estates. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Richard. Yeah, briefly on your uh, Taylor Swift, maybe she could borrow that jacket from uh, Melania Trump that uh, writing on the back. I roughly said that, what? I don't really care what you do. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that might send them that, that could send a couple of different messages. I'm not quite sure which one it would be, but it would certainly uh, create some conversation. You're right about that. What's going on, my man? Well, you're talking earlier about that uh, uh, in front of the Supreme Court yesterday, in mm-hmm. Colorado. I don't know who the spokesperson was, but uh, was it uh, Alina Haba? That's I mean, Trump's attorney. I know that. I'm trying to poke a little fun here. Because <laughs> they basically listening to uh, Neil Katyal and uh, Lawrence Tribe. They were just so utterly disgusted and disappointed at how this person just kind of got disarmed, you know, up there. That, you yeah, know. they didn't really do a good for Everything that I saw and read about it, Dave, uh, it was kind of a weak uh, presentation in front of the Supreme Court. From when I read, when I heard the, the audio, because didn't, they didn't have cameras there, it was kind of a weak, um, um, you know, presentation. I, I just thought, you know, Neil and, and others were right on point with that. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, they're like, on, uh, now, you got Monday, they're going to watch, got to argue for his uh, being, uh, uh, that he can go out and shoot somebody if he wants to, you know, uh, immunity. <laughs> and if they do that, on the way out, they might as well uh, take the Constitution off of the pedestal there and throw it in one of the fires that they're burning the books at, because the man said about as much as he gets back in, he wasn't going <laughs> to... How to do the Constitution, you know? Yep, it's true. I mean, that's it. it and, but see, here's the thing, though. This is the thing: the court system is going to do. And I, and I spoke to this last week. Um, um, and I think that one of the things that we've got to remember is that we can get, we can spend energy getting frustrated about what the court systems will or will not do, because you got to understand, the courts oftentimes particularly federal and supreme, they make their decisions based on precedent of the lower courts. They make their decisions based on previously. That's why this situation in Michigan with the, the mom that's being convicted or was convicted for her son uh, killing the, um, her, his classmates, that's a landmark case because that's going to be referenced. But my point is, Dave, I'm with you, and that the our job is not to try to fix the decisions necessarily of the courts right now. Well, we need to spend our time 
if our goal is to get President Biden reelected, be damn who's on the ballot on the on the right is to get people involved in the process. I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but we can't fix what the Supreme Court and or the federal courts are judging or determining right now. Our fix for the outcome, and hear me guys, is to make sure that no matter what they decide on the ballot issue, that we out show up, we show up bigger than the Republicans do. That, it, 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 and, and I know that oversimplifies it, Dave, and I know I, I'm, I'm with you, man, and you know that I am, but that's really what we have yeah. to do. But the scary thing, going back to that, they figure that it's like with the Colorado thing or whatnot, that it might be either eight to one or nine to zero. I know. On this. I mean, I, do, yeah, that, I mean, even that, Elena, only one is the one, Elena Kagan, maybe, and not even. Mackenzie Brown, Jackson, who got put in by Biden. Yeah. But they're looking. But see, here's the thing. The justices, the justices are looking at case law and they're looking at what is there in terms of precedent. I'm just saying that's why we can't. I mean, you're right. You're right in terms of the, the, the conversation about it. But we can't fix that part. What we can fix is say, OK, you know what? If Alito gets sick and if Clarence gets sick during a second term with Biden because we did the right job and got him reelected and both of those guys suddenly are not longer with us. Guess what? Because we got President Biden reelected, he gets two choices. And if we have the Senate, they get confirmed. That's the work we got to do. I'm I'm I lean into that cuz that's how the that's how the game is played. That's strategizing for winning short term and long term. That's what Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan are doing right now. They're planning for how do we win the long game in this four quarter football game we're about to play. In. We have to do the same thing. Trust me, guys. I, I, pat, I did very well in civics and government and law. We have to understand what we are empowered with. Be damned what the courts decide right now. We have to be prepared for Alito to get sick and for Clarence to get sick, and they're no longer on the Supreme Court. And because we got President Biden reelected and we held the Senate and we flipped the House, he gets to select without any problem and confirm Two more Supreme Court justices. That's long game thinking, y'all. It just is. And when you mentioned, you mentioned Clarence Thomas, surprisingly, um, I was also watching where where Je- Jesse Coburn yeah. He said, "Why is he involved? In why he has not recused himself? Seeing that his wife is up to her neck in that January 6th. <laughs> you know, with the the." Uh, what was it? The emails and whatnot, right? And that, and why? And why he's not recused? He's not going to recuse, recuse himself. He's the only way that Clarence Thomas is going to leave the Supreme Court is if he gets convicted for a uh, a felony or he dies. That's it. He is not going to recuse himself. His wife could go to jail, and he still will be there. Trust me on that. Mark my words. He's not going to step down. I agree. His pri- he's exactly. like, who's wa- this so-called who's watching the watchers there, you know. But uh, yeah, but uh, I'll close out with this, and I know you got others. That I was just reading also yesterday that CNN fact checker had uh, shoot down one of Trump's claims that some off the wall thing saying that Nancy Pelosi caused the January 6th riot or insurrection. <laughs> that wasn't that crazy. <laughs> oh my god! I know. But Dave. he was in also. <laughs> What's that? Said say, the word say, that, say that again. You're, kind of, you're cutting out, Dave. Say that again. Oh, 
All right, let's want to get out of here. So, have <laughs> right, a good man. week. You, good weekend. Maybe Sunday, I might have something for you. Anyway, anyway, have a good one. Thanks, Tristan. <laughs> all right, Dave. You too, man. My man, Dave. Uh, all right, so uh, we got a little bit of time before we're going to lean into the break. And then after the break, I'm going to hit these Biden items, which I've been waiting to talk to you guys about. Um, but do we, have must, do we have enough time to play the No, I'll wait. let's, let's do, do the clip. Want to do the clip before or after? We do now. Let's do the clip now. Okay, guys, this is something I want you guys to hear. This is important, um, and it's coming from the president, the UAW president, Sean Fain. Check this out. I can't fathom any union would support Donald Trump for president. Let's be real and let's look at facts. Um, you know, Donald Trump says it best. Look, look at both their careers. Donald Trump, in his own words, when he had his reality TV show, The Apprentice, and when he was president, when he was in the White House, he had two favorite words. You're fired. And, you know, he cycled through White House staff like, like toilet paper. And, you know, when, when he was in 2008, we were in a recession. Donald Trump blamed the workers for what was wrong with the big three. Joe Biden bet on the American worker. Mm-hmm. You go to 2015, Donald Trump talked about doing a rotation of our good-paying jobs in the Midwest somewhere where they pay less, driving a race to the bottom, wanting us to beg for our jobs back at lower pay. You know, he uh, didn't support when Lordstown Assembly, when he was president, when Lordstown Assembly plan was slated for closure, he told people, don't sell your houses. What did he do? Nothing. Um, When GM went on strike in 2019, what did he do to support the striking workers? What did he say? Mm -hmm. Not a word. You know, Joe Biden in, in 2008, he stood with the UAW. He stood with working class people in that recession. And, and, they, and they gave us a pathway forward. Uh, you know, when he's been president, he stood with us for the first time in history. A U.S. sitting president stood on the picket line with us. Yeah. And he helped save a community, not sit back and do nothing while a community was destroyed. I don't, need vice, I don't need Vice President Harris or President Biden to be perfect. That's what, I'm, that's what I need. I need him to stand with us to do the things that we need to get done that favor the majority of all of our communities. I don't need President Biden to be... Um, 75 years old or 70 years old or 65 years old, I need him to be who he is and to recognize who he is and to acknowledge that he is 81 years of age, but know that he can get the job done. I don't need the orange beast that wants to take away my rights, take away your rights and others. We're going to run to this quick break. 773-763-9278. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. All right, guys. So you heard Sean Fain, the UAW president, uh, give some facts about what 45 didn't do and what President Biden and Vice President Harris have done. The reason I always say President Biden and Vice President Harris is because they are a team. They work together. And I and I have heard from various people that, you know, want to ask why she's not doing more. Well, did you ask any of the male vice presidents why weren't they doing more? I'll get into that at another time. But right now, I'm going to kind of rapid fire this the last bit of the show to talk about the successes of the Biden administration. Because I think that we have the opportunity to do that. We're at the goal line. And we have the opportunity to do that every day. It's right there in front of us. The research isn't hard. So let me start off with something that can't, that that's a bit of information that is relatively neutral and not politically influenced in terms of left or right politics. That's the CE confidence rating. Now, uh, the confidence, the, the uh, conference board 
measurement by CEO confidence was uh, published this week, earlier this week. And here's the net of it, and I'll give you some wording, and I'll give you some, some numbers. So right now, CEO's assessment of the general economic conditions in the country have improved markedly in quarter one. This was a, a survey that was done of a, of a number of CEOs in America. 30, 32% of CEOs said economic conditions were better compared to six months ago, and that percentage is up from 18% from that during that same measuring time. This isn't coming from, you know, politicians on the left or politicians on the right. It also says that CEOs are feeling better about the economy, but remain cautious about some of the risk ahead. And that's a quote from Roger Ferguson, who's a junior vice president of the business council and trustees of the conference board. So some other uh, numbers to look at. 31% of CEOs said conditions in their specific industries were better compared to six months ago also up, that being from 27%. So another, um, uh, we'll call it neutral group of CEOs that is speaking to what they see as impactfully good for our economy. Meanwhile, CEOs said the greatest global challenge affecting businesses this year is the spread of existing wars, de-globalization, and the U.S.-China tensions. 15% 15% also uh, had concerns um, in that space. So on the other, on the positive side, though, and this is kind of what I'll wrap up as I, as I uh, leverage into the next point, on the opposite positive side, CEOs cited reduced, guess what, drum roll, reduced inflation. 34% of the CEOs in this survey of this council, which is a mixture of left, right, and in the middle um, uh, leading CEOs said 34% of them said that one of the positives is a reduction in inflation. So for all of those out there who are haters, these, this is coming from those who we often criticize for not leaning into the conversation about real facts and data. The federal reserve interest rate cuts 28% said that these developments might benefit businesses. So, if you want more details on that, I can certainly provide them for you. But right now, for the first time in two years, optimism outweighs pessimism among CEOs. So, Andrea Mitchell and Katie Turr, I'm waiting on y'all to read and report on that as it, replace, as it relates to the, the Biden-Harris uh, record and old Uncle Joe who, by the way, is not really old. He's just 81 years of age. See, that's the thing. We label something in a negative way for no particular reason. Uncle Joe is not, Joe Biden's not old. He's 81 years of age. He's not old. What's old? I mean, there's people who are 45 that are old, sitting around, not doing anything, complaining and whining all the time, rather than getting up and taking action. My, my, my um, person that I, that I follow a lot, in terms of the, the, the motivational and, and personal development space, Mel uh, Robbins talks about if there's a problem that you have that can be handled by taking action, you don't have a problem. So the Biden administration has taken action. When, when, Vice President, uh, uh, when President Biden and Vice President Harris took office, our country faced an unprecedented crisis, raging pandemic economic crisis, climate crisis, racial injustice, the president and vice president, they ran for office on the promise to move 
quickly, they took action to tackle, tackle these crises head on and to deliver some results for working families throughout America. So this is that's what they said they were going to do. Now, those that don't like President Biden and what he's done, um, they are. I want to know what your solution is. I want to know what your answer is, because one of the the things that I think that the, the, the administration could do a little bit better job of is singing their own praises. And they're getting better at that now that we're in election season. But here's just a laundry list of some of the things. Lowering costs for families' everyday expenses. More people are working than at any point in American history. Um, there's more being manufactured than the United States of America. We basically rescued an economy that was, you know, reeling from the the, the, the horrors of the pandemic. Rebuilding our infrastructure, expansion of benefits and services for toxic uh, for veterans that have been exposed to toxic uh, chemicals, trying to put together some meaningful gun legislation, um, most definitely protecting the marriage rights for the LGBTQ and interracial couples. Historic confirmation of Supreme Court Justice uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson and a litany of federal judges of diverse backgrounds. Um, you know, whether you are, uh, agree with or not with regard to how the administration's handling, uh, Ukraine or how much money we're sending there, they, you know, the, the administration did what it's supposed to do as a leader of the free world. And that's rally the support for Ukraine in response to Putin's invasion. Okay. Strengthen the alliances and partnerships. Um, that we try to de- to, look, to deliver to the American people so that businesses and individuals are working closer together. And that's why I read that report. I know that, you know, those numbers are, are coming from data that I did the research on. Uh, doing our best to uh, deal with counterterrorism measures as it relates to uh, leaders of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Um, He's criticized by Nikki Haley for too many executive orders. But if you're trying to protect the rights of human beings in the United States of America or throughout the world, using executive orders, which the president has done to protect reproductive rights, they've leaned into uh, student debt relief for middle class and working class families. You know, the list is very long. And if I have a, a critique, if you will, of the administration, they need to be speaking more uh, every day loudly to those items. And you can go to the, you can go to the administration's website and for all those who want to call in and say, yeah, but they haven't done this and yeah, but they haven't done that. Uh, you know, voting rights, et cetera, et cetera. cetera. I, I get that. I get that. I truly do get that. You're not speaking. I'm a black man in America. I catch all of this every day. I see it all every day. The only thing that I, and I'm, a, and I, and I talked about this in the first part of the show about my strong support leaning in all the time for our women, for all of our women. And I say our women as well as, you know, our, our ladies, however you want to rephrase it. My point is the only thing that I don't have um, that I'm not plugged into because I'm not a woman are women's rights. But that means that I have a responsibility to lean into them. So my, and when I connect all these dots, ultimately I know that the president and the vice president are doing tremendous things. Have they hit all buttons? No, they haven't. That's why we need to give him four more years so that he can. And a Senate and a House and some state legislatures so he can get stuff done. You all want to push back on that? Do, all, do, it, do it all you want to. 
got big shoulders. But that's why he needs the Senate and he needs a House and he needs state legislatures to get work done. So he's and a lot of people don't realize this, but the president signed legislation to put more cops on on beats and invest in community policing. He knows that there's, a, there's an issue with, with violence in, in, in all parts of the country. It's not just in Chicago. It's in rural parts of the, of the nation. Trust me on that. So my point of all this is the president has been and the vice president and the administration have been leaning into these issues. For those of you who want perfection from the president, wake up. Maybe what you should do is look at what you can do to help the president get the Senate and the House of Representatives. I'm telling you guys this. I'm going to beat this drum because that's how the numbers work. Maybe rather than being someone to sit back and complain about what the president hasn't done and saying he's too old, maybe what you should do is pick up a, a rake, pick up a, a, a shovel and get to work to make sure that he gets reelected and make sure that we hold the Senate, grow it if possible and flip the house. It ain't rocket science, y'all. It's just not. Then the other items that they're advocating for, they've got four more years to get them done. Because I asked you the counter question before we go to break. Name me three things that Donald Trump did while in office that benefited you. And I don't want this general, well, he did this. By comparison, name three things that the Biden administration has done to hurt you. I bet you a dollar you can't come up with three things on both sides that are cogent items. Not just this namby-pamby, well, he didn't do this. I don't have time to hear that. Okay? So listen, I know that there are going to be comments regarding this, but I'm here to take them on. The number is 773-763-9278. We will be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back in the last segment of the hour and the show this first week. It's been awesome. Thank you all so much for listening in, calling in, and all your wonderful comments on social media. Um, 773-763-9278. Let's grab a quick call. Um, We've got a couple before we wrap up. Let's talk to Robert real quick. Hey, Robert. Uh, good morning, Richard, and thanks. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to comment on your that initial report that you uh, summarized, and I want to frame it from the way working people look at economics. Working people look at it from, can I pay my rent? Can I buy food? Can I meet my health care needs and can I meet my educational needs? I think it is a disastrous point of view from the point of the Democratic Party sees on the opinions of CEOs and the health of their their companies as a measurement of how good the American people are doing. That's number one. Number two, when you're sort of asking for what is a solution to either one of these parties or your comparative, you want to compare Trump versus Biden. I think that, that the American people are taking a much different view. They're beginning to realize and they need to realize this. Neither one of these parties have given either side anything that they wanted. They've raised a lot of money. 
they they do as you say, which I think is corporate speak, lean into things, which is nothing more than just a glossy way of saying we're trying to do something. What the American people need to recognize, the central reason we cannot have adequate health care or education or good paying jobs is because the United States is a military state. The largest single unquestioned part of our budget is the military that has uh, that has not passed an audit since 2018 to the tune of almost a, a trillion dollars. Once people, and I think both people on both sides are realizing these two parties are just opposite sides of the same coin because they talk about everything, but they don't correct anything. So if you want to know what the solution is, the solution is a more vigorous, pure democracy where people are directly involved in the decision-making and choices of how our money is spent. Not, not, not this emphasis on this republic form of government. Okay. So I'm just saying, if the Democratic Party continues to lecture people about these, these, these esoteric achievements that don't point out to the four great ones, your, your, your housing, your food, your health care, and your education, Donald Trump will win. Okay. All right. So and that's all I'm saying. There's okay. got to be a more sophisticated. Go ahead. No, no, no. I wanted to let you get it out because I'm not one to interrupt people. I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so a yeah. couple, couple of pieces. First of all, I agree with you that the Democratic Party has to do a better job. I agree with that. You, you won't get any fight from me on that. Um, I am going to correct you on something that you misstated. You misstated that the Democratic Party um, is driving this uh, selective percentages report. It was it was done by a it was not it was not a partisan a specific. It was a neutral. And I get where you're coming from, that it came from, quote, CEOs on the health of their company. They weren't talking about the health of their companies. That wasn't what I read. It did not in any point that I say it was something that they said about the health of their companies. They were talking about neutral statistics that do embrace what you were talking about as it relates to what's important to the country. They didn't say our companies are doing great. Hooray for us. So I'm correcting you there. We don't have to debate about that because you don't have to clean it up. I just did for you. Now, what I will say is I agree with you. That's why I started with that. I agree. The Democratic Party needs to do a better job. There is no question in my mind. You and I are sitting in the same aisle on that. And I will tell you, the military, the military budget is bloated. I agree. That needs to be cleaned up and re. I mean, there's a whole bunch of words you and I could use to describe the military budget. I'm in agreement with you on that. I've said that on the family meeting for years. But here's the part that ultimately it comes down to for me and for you. And the glossing over that you said, I'm, listen, I'm not going to disagree with what you said because I understand, um, uh, not, not just philosophically, Robert, I agree with you. It's about the, the Democratic Party doing better. But this is where I stand. And let me be clear. If we don't, those who want to see those things improve and change and get better, lean into the conversation about who is most likely to get the job done in this current environment. We, as, as the citizens, the voters, if we waffle in that space, then you're right. Trump has an opportunity to win. So at the end of the day, it's you and me that have the responsibility 
because we're not stupid. There's, there's millions of people like you who are saying the same thing. So I, I say, let's bring it home. What are you going to do? You're going to not vote. You're going to third party candidate vote. You're going to vote for Republicans or you're going to do what's the most logical from sounding like an intellectual Robert thing to do, which is to make sure that we don't go backwards by letting our frustrations on this prevent us as everyday regular middle class Americans from doing the most right thing to do. Now, intentionally, I said it that way because I'm not disagreeing with you. Let me be perfectly clear. I'm agreeing with you, but not just the elected officials need to do a better job. Those of us that are everyday voting middle class citizens have to do a better job. Okay. Can I respond real quick? Absolutely. Go for it. I I, I would recommend that uh, there's an excellent book out there called The Tyranny of the Minority. Yep. And it's by, by a guy named Levitsky and... Zyblatt. And what they do is an extremely careful analysis about how we're the only standing constitutional government that has not changed its constitution. And I'm saying, if anybody, I'm saying we have, we're, we've met a, a tipping point in our evolution politically. And I'm saying that the solution will not be any of the tools we used in the past. Because the tools of a republic are the basis of this problem. We have to, we have to really become much more democratic. I don't, and I mean not just voting. It means I mean an actual visceral on the, uh, you know, on the street power to, to influence our local government, our state government, and federal. It's sort of like what Ben Franklin said. He said having a president from the state, you should have also, a council, a and, multi-person council. And we also have to be... I'm saying more, we need to be that radical. Well, I, I don't disagree with you when it comes to change. Yeah. But when, we lean, when I say lean into and when other people say lean into things, that's what we have to lean into. You will find, you can trace this with me, and I know I'm going to, I've got a couple minutes and i got to let you go. I am all yeah. about yeah. action. I'm all about pushing back. I'm all about leaning in and pushing and pulling together. All I'm trying to say, uh, that Robert, is this, and it's really simple. If we, at this point, decide that that's how we're going to approach things, it's my belief, based on the numbers, based on just political movement, we will at least stem the tide because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my wife and I had this conversation last night. If Donald Trump gets elected and it's not because the Democrats and, that are elected officials don't do the right thing right now. It's because we as voters don't stop for a minute and go, what's the best choice right now? We got to get off of this. I ain't getting what I want because trust me, I hear that as the undertone from a lot of people. I hear it from a lot of people. I'm there with everybody on that in that conversation. I'm saying and rather than but, Robert. And right now, we can't make that wrong vote or non-vote because we will slip further back. You think that what you just said about more democratic activism on the street, you think that's going to happen if 45 gets back in office? Hell no. And that's all I got to say well, on that. You know what I- 
Okay, I'll, yeah, if you got you got other callers. I, I'll let you go because i got to run in and call, get something anyway. Robert, this is an but, ongoing conversation to your favor. This is an ongoing yeah, conversation. Oh, yeah. you got to call back because you're making points that I want okay. other people to make. Seriously. Listen, man, okay. be safe getting to work today. Give us a call next week. Yeah. I really appreciate your, 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 your energy and your insight. I embrace that because I'm not stupid enough to think that I know everything. So please, 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 you have a voice here. I promise you that. Okay? Okay, very okay, very good. Thank you. Take All right, care. Man, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. He makes a great point. I mean, I'd be a fool to say, oh, no, Robert's wrong. He's right as hell. But right now is not the time to say, I'm going to go vote third party. Or right now is not the time to say, I'm going to vote for Trump because I think he's going to do a better job because he's already proven he couldn't do the job. That's what I don't get about. Well, let me back up. I get it. Because I look at what's the origin of why people are following him. It's not about the economy. Because let's be honest, those those who lied and said it was about the economy, I'm voting for him in 16 and 20 because he's a good businessman. That's been blown apart. So either you're lying to yourself or you're an idiot to repeat that again. It's only one of those two. It's another thing. And we'll tackle that next week. Guys, it's been a great first week. I'm thankful and I'm grateful to a number of entities, CPT, um, my folks here, uh, Joan, um, Santita, and your great work that you've done and, and will continue to do. I'm really thankful to all of our listeners, and I'm thankful to, thankful to our progressive team across the country. Um, that means a lot to me. And, and of course, my family and all the folks that, that have encouraged me to do this. So my man Henry and I are, are lockstep now. We're going to wrap up the show today. It's been great. Stay tuned for Stephanie Miller, Tom Hartman, Joan Esposito. Keep following us here on WCPT. We appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful weekend.